You are listening to Alter Echo, a scripture and message podcast with pastors Andy Smith and Kim Kylo of St. John's Lutheran Church, ELCA, Lakeville, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us and worshiping with us. Well, hello there, friends. Welcome back to the Alter Echo podcast of St. John's Lutheran Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. This is your scripture and message for Sunday, February, the last Sunday in February, 26th of 2023. This Sunday uh, is also the first Sunday in Lent, uh, which may seem a little odd since because of the snowstorm, we postponed Ash Wednesday uh, worship and and gathering uh, until next Wednesday. So this first Sunday of Lent unusually comes to you this year before Ash Wednesday. But each year, uh, this first Sunday of Lent, we hear um, the story in the Gospels um, this year from Matthew chapter 4 that is called The Temptation of Jesus. So here we go. If you have your Bible with you, uh, you can open up to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, and read along with me. And... Before I start reading, I should offer the caveat. Um, If you have your Bible open, you will see if you look just immediately before this, um, that what precedes it is the baptism of Jesus. So think um, Jesus and John the Baptist at the River Jordan. Uh, John the Baptist agrees to do the baptizing of Jesus. Jesus descends into the water and when he comes up, the dove alights on him. The voice of God breaks through the cloud which announces, proclaiming, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Immediately after that, we hear this story, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you do not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to Jesus, All these I will give you if... You fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left, and suddenly angels came and waited on Jesus. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So I introduce this reading with the reminder that this is the very first thing that happens after Jesus' baptism. When we hear, 
God proclaim who Jesus is, in other words, God's son, the beloved, and one with whom God is well pleased. And immediately after this, immediately after Jesus' identity is boldly echoing (laughs) throughout the region, the Holy Spirit is the one, we learn in verse 1 today, who leads Jesus out in the wilderness on purpose, for the purpose of being tested by the devil. Jesus was not coerced. He was not tricked. He was not surprised into the wilderness. He goes willingly and intentionally. And we hear that Jesus remains in the wilderness for at least 40 days and 40 nights, during which time he fasts from food completely. Now, I haven't fasted for 40 days and 40 nights completely. Uh, One could argue that uh, one might not be alive if attempting to fast totally and completely for 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, So perhaps these numbers are not literal, but perhaps they are um, a metaphorical representation that Jesus fasted for a significant period of time, after which time he would be hungry. Which reminds me, perhaps it reminds you, of the Snickers ad campaign, which says, hungry, grab a Snickers, and operates with the subline, you're not you when you're hungry. We might infer that Jesus is depleted, that he, his hunger goes deeper than just a rumbling stomach, that he has chosen a intentionally long fast to do what fasting is created to do, to draw our focus onto God and deepen our connection with God. And so when Jesus is in this um, perhaps less than his best self state, (laughs) having fasted so significantly, Satan shows up in the wilderness and presents him with three temptations, three significant temptations, much more significant than temptations that we, um, fairly comfortable people of this time, face in our daily lives. Our daily temptations might be things like this. Should I eat one more cookie? Should I hit the snooze button one more time today? Should I click add to cart for something else I really don't need Should I buy that face cream that promises to change my self-esteem? All of these temptations and many others that we face on a daily basis are temptations of luxury. But the three significant temptations that Satan presents to Jesus are much more significant. Satan tempts Jesus to prove himself. If you are the son of God, he dangles, turn these stones to food. Aren't you hungry, Jesus, after your fasting of 40 days and 40 nights? Prove yourself. Jesus is tempted by Satan to then prove his power. Just throw yourself down off the temple of, the top of the temple, rather, Jesus. Surely the angels will show up and keep you from getting one scratch. Prove your power. 
And third, last but not least, Satan tempts Jesus with securing global control. Do you see all these kingdoms of the world, Jesus? Don't they look magnificent? If you just worship me, they are yours. Satan tempts Jesus here with something that is not his to give in the first place. But for Jesus, life is more than only food, so he does not turn the stones to bread. For Jesus, the power of God is his to use, but not for frivolous reasons like divine skydiving, so to speak. And so Jesus does not throw himself off the temple. And for Jesus, political power over all the kingdoms of the world is not what he's after at all, especially if it means worshiping Satan. So Jesus does not. We, like Jesus, face temptations that are more significant than daily temptations of luxury. So what can help us when we face temptation in this life? What helped Jesus face temptation? We see that when Jesus faces each of these significant temptations and challenges, he does this not simply by quoting scripture as a shield, as though simply remembering enough scripture can cause you to fend off the devil and all his empty promises. Jesus faces these challenges by remembering who he is and whose he is. Jesus quotes scripture to remember that he is the son of God, God's beloved, the savior of the world. And because these things are already Jesus' full God-given identity, Jesus has nothing to prove. Jesus is not aspiring to be the son of God. He is not aspiring to be the savior of the world or hoping to be called God's beloved. Jesus already is. And because Jesus is quite clear that his identity is already true, he does not give in to Satan's temptations to prove himself or to take any sort of shortcuts. Like Jesus, we face temptations of value and identity. These much more significant temptations might sound something like this. Should I speak up when I witness someone who is being bullied or discriminated against and absolutely have the voice and power to stand with them? Should I speak up or should I pretend to ignore the situation. Our temptations of value and identity could also sound like this. Should I bend to peer pressure, even when the sinking feeling in my stomach is making it quite clear that this runs counter to my faith? Because unfortunately, peer pressure does not end when you graduate from high school. Temptations of value and identity for us might sound like, should I worship the idols of image, reputation, or beauty, especially when they direct me away from God? 
Should I believe the voices of people who want me to know that I am less than in some way or not good enough or rejected completely, even though I know my worth comes from being a child of God? These are more on par with the, with the type of temptations of value and identity that Jesus faced with the devil in the wilderness those many years ago. The good news for today is not that you just need to be stronger or more resilient or dedicated to your faith or have more scripture memorized so that like Jesus, you can resist Satan's temptations every time. That that is not good news for us at all because we can't. So rather, the good news is that Jesus has literally been there, out in the wilderness, face to face with Satan and all of his empty promises. Jesus knows what it's like to be confronted by real, significant temptations to your identity and to your values and to your faith. And regardless of how swayed Jesus may or may not have been by Satan's offers, Jesus faced these temptations. Jesus knows the allure of temporary satisfaction. Jesus knows the glamour of power. Jesus knows the seduction of political clout and reputation and fame. And good news. Jesus shows us in the rest of the gospel that follows, because remember, this is only Matthew chapter 4. Jesus knows that all of these temptations, significant though they may be, they are temporary and short-lived. None of these temptations or any other is ultimately where our life and salvation are found. What is long-lasting And what is of real significance for you and me is the kind of salvation that is found in love, belonging, and real relationship with God. And that God leads us into that kind of relationship with others, including the church and the body of Christ. So, what helps us when we face temptation? What helped Jesus to resist temptation. What might help (laughs) the next time temptation comes knocking at your door is having been surrounded with the kind of community that reminds you who you are and whose you are, that you are and always will be a child of God, valued and respected in God's sight. Being part of a faith community in which people remind you continually, probably with their actions more likely than with their words, of what God sees in you. You belong to God, not to temporary hungers. You belong to God, not to fleeting power. You belong to God not to to control of the political nature or any other kind. You belong to Christ in whom you have been baptized. And no temptation that you will ever face can take away what God sees in you 
and how deeply God loves you forever. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now God's word is alive in us again anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us out into the world in which we live. Everyone, if you wish to give your offering now to support things like this podcast and the work and ministry of St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to do that. Please go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat it, sjlcl.org. And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see a little button named Donate. Hit that button and you can give your offering to God and for the work of God in the world through this church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Thank you in advance for the gifts and the offerings that you give. And now as we go on our way, we are sent with the blessing of peace, the benediction. Dear friends, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, till we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves you, everyone. God be with you until next week.